Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, what's up, Celebration Church? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm glad you're here. Would you just join me right now in welcoming our online campuses, Orange Park, Julianson Creek, all the online viewers, welcome, welcome. And on behalf of Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry, I am Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I have the honor of, of preaching today, preaching for Pastor Stovall. Pastor Stovall has been preaching all over the place. You know, he's, he's done several conferences recently. He has preached in Orlando recently and uh, Honey Lake. We had our staff retreat recently. He preached a few times there. He also preached this past Wednesday in Fort Lauderdale where we had our best gathering yet. Steam is building, momentum's building. Awesome things are happening down in Fort Lauderdale. So I know that uh, he has been busy uh, also gearing up for this fall. He'll be traveling to Northern Ireland. He'll be traveling to Zimbabwe to visit our campuses there. So. Man, he's been, he's been busy, and, um, and aren't you excited to be a part of a church, a global church with a global vision, reaching out to the world for Jesus Christ? Who's excited to be a part of that? Who's excited they're part of something bigger than all of us? Man, it's so awesome. What an honor it is. What an honor it is for me to be preaching today. If you want to, you, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Exodus Exodus chapter eight, and then we'll go to Exodus chapter 10 shortly after. Exodus eight, chapter 25, chapter eight, verse 25. What I'm gonna do while you turn there or, or type there on your favorite device is I'm gonna give you some, some context. I wanna contextualize our story today. Our story is actually a really long story, so we're not gonna read it. I'm gonna tell it very shortly, very briefly, so that we can get several books of the Bible condensed down into just a couple minutes, and then we're gonna read our text, and, and we're gonna hear, get to, get to key in on a conversation between a guy named Moses and a guy named Pharaoh. If you've seen the, the, the cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You may as well have already read it all anyway. So what we're gonna do is contextualize it, and we'll start with Abraham. God came to this guy named Abraham. He formed a covenant with him. He said, Abraham, I want you to leave your father's land and I want you to leave your home. I want you to go to a place where I'm asking you to go and I want you to do what I've asked you to do and I will bless you. I will bless those who curse you. I, I will, excuse me, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will make your family great and your family will eventually become a great and mighty nation. So numerous that you will outnumber the stars in the sky. Well, Abraham, he did that, he followed God, he put God first, and he was blessed, blessed immensely. Well, his great-grandson, named Joseph, was betrayed by his family, betrayed by his great family. Yes, they were an imperfect family. Joseph was betrayed by them, and he was enslaved, sold into slavery by his brothers, and ended up in a place called Egypt. Well, he was in Egypt, and God's hand was on him. He was favored. And he rose to power. He became the prime minister, the president, second only in command to the king, Pharaoh. Well, Joseph died, and the Pharaoh died, who gave Joseph a lot of favor. And his family, 
had chosen to stay right there in Egypt and so when Joseph was gone and the Pharaoh was gone and the favor was gone, they became slaves because God was blessing them and they were greatly multiplying and the Pharaoh realized if I don't press them, if I don't do something with them, if I don't try to keep them under control, they could take over, they could fight against us and defeat us. So he did that, he, they became slaves and they began they became workers beyond anything they could have imagined. They were oppressed, they were depressed, they were pressed in every sense of the term. And they were overworked and suffering. 430 years after Joseph, Moses is about to have a conversation with Pharaoh because God asked Moses to. He went to Pharaoh and he said, he said I, I want you to let my people go. And we'll get to that in just a moment their conversation they had. But what we can see is, is, as we work our way toward that, the people were, they were in a place called Egypt, and Egypt simply means a place of bondage. If you look at the Hebrew word, Egypt means a place of bondage. Egypt is a place of, where they were in bondage, it was a, also means a place of entrenchment, captivity, slavery. That's what the name Egypt means. And you know, we can see, just by the, the story I told, that these Israelites or Hebrews, we can use those interchangeably, these, these Hebrews, they chose to be in Egypt. Like these Israelites, many of us in here today, we've made choices in our lives and we have ended up in an Egypt. Maybe we are bound in our thoughts, in our mind. Maybe we are entrenched in debt because of wrong financial decisions. Maybe we are captive to our emotions and the stress that overwhelms us on a daily basis. A lot of us, we've made these choices and we've allowed ourselves to be in a spiritual or physical or emotional Egypt. But let me tell you something we find in Exodus chapter three. See, we find not only that, because God says, he says, I see their misery, I understand their pain, I, I have concern for their suffering, we can see that we serve, and they serve, we are in covenant with, relationship with a loving Father who realizes every chain that we are in. He knows every pain we are facing, but here's the good part. He has a plan to get us out of it. He told them specifically, I want to lift you up and out of those chains, out of that place of bondage, and take you into a promised land, a place of freedom. That is God's plan for our lives. We see that in Exodus chapter three, but in moving on even further into Exodus chapter five, we see what the first step of that plan is. The very first step of that plan is simply to go outside of Egypt. Hey Hebrews, hey Israelites, Moses, he, he went before Pharaoh and he said, listen, I want you to let all of, my, all of my family here, us Hebrews, let us go outside of Egypt and worship God. We wanna take a three-day journey outside of Egypt and we wanna worship God. Basically, what he, specifically, we want to worship God by giving him an offering. And so he has this conversation with Pharaoh and, and it begins with, with that right there when Moses gives that request and Pharaoh says, no sir. It ain't gonna happen. You wanna see your people free? Well, it's not gonna happen on my watch. You're getting too much work done for me. I'm enjoying oppressing, depressing, and pressing you too much. 
And so the conversation has begun. And what, what God told Moses to say is, if he doesn't let you go, and he won't, Moses knew what was gonna happen. If he doesn't let you know, go, let him know that he is about to face some plagues. Well, there were first, there were four plagues that happened before any other conversation between, or any other conversation between Pharaoh and Moses. Water became blood was the first one. Imagine that, water became blood, the, the fish died, the, the, the river stunk, the water was undrinkable. The second plague was frogs. Imagine frogs being everywhere. I mean, everywhere. The third plague was lice. Lice, remember back in elementary school, those lice checks. Yeah, don't hang your coat too close to the next person next to yours because you might get lice. Lice was everywhere. Every person had it. Every animal had it. Lice was everywhere. Everywhere except on the Hebrews, that is, because God was protecting them. But all the Egyptians had it. The fourth plague was flies. Imagine you take a raw piece of meat to the grill on a July, hot July day. You drop that raw piece of meat, leave it on the porch and come back a few hours later, there's flies everywhere. That was the entire land of Egypt. And so at this point, you can imagine Pharaoh's like, hey Moses, let's have a talk. Let's talk about this. Let's, let, let, let's deal with all these plagues that are happening. And so look at Exodus chapter eight, verse 25. Let's read, let's read a few verses. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, basically saying, all right, all right, all right. Listen, 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 listen. Go sacrifice to your God, okay? Go do what you've asked to do. Only do it here in the land, in the land of Egypt. Well, Moses was like, uh-uh. I've already told you what God told me. And that is that we're supposed to worship, we're supposed to give an offering to God, but we're supposed to do it three days out into the desert. And verse 28, Pharaoh comes back to Moses and says, well, have only, excuse me, he says, Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. <clears throat> Pray for me while you're at it. And so you can see Pharaoh is trying to engage in this spiritual talk, but what he's doing is he's trying to get the children of Israel, trying to get Moses to compromise He's trying to get them to say, yeah, okay, we will do it, but we will tweak what God said just a little bit. And so Moses said no. Pharaoh was disgusted and said, get, him, get out of here. And so then plague number five comes. All the livestock are diseased and die. Plague number six is boils, sores all over the people, all over the animals. Plague number seven, hail and fire came raining down from the sky, destroying all their crops. And then plague number nine, or number eight, locusts are everywhere and they eat the remaining broken crops. Again, Pharaoh's like, uh, Moses, let's have another little conversation here. And so we pick up in chapter 10, verse 11. It says, have only the men go. You can worship, you can go three days out, but have only the men go and worship the Lord since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. There was another plague, darkness. The people couldn't even see their hands in front of their faces. They were trapped inside their homes, unable to even move for three days because of the darkness. At this point, verse 24, 
Pharaoh summoned Moses again and said, go, worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Compromise, always a compromise. Four compromises. Before we jump into that, and we'll kind of elaborate on it and see ourselves in this story, let's pray and ask God to do in our lives today what only he can do. Father, we love you and thank you for being here today. We thank you for meeting us right here where we are. We thank you that you are a God who sees our chains. You understand our pain and you have a plan for us to walk in freedom. So Father, we thank you that you are meeting us here today and that you have a plan for our lives and you have provided grace, strength for us to walk it out and live in this life of freedom and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So my son and my daughter and my wife and I, we went to Disney World one day and we had it all planned out. We were going on our trip to Disney that week, we were going to a character breakfast. If you've never been to a character breakfast, basically it's where you go and you pretty much pay about $500 for a waffle, about $200 per slice of bacon, and then when you get your food from the buffet and you sit in your seat, just a couple short minutes into the meal, these people dressed up like animals come out and start distracting your kids. Well, Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy, they all start coming out after we get back to the table. My kids made their plate. They got their waffle shaped like Mickey. They got their greasy bacon. They're eating it. They're having a good time for about three minutes until the characters come out. After three minutes, the characters come out and every kid in the place, their head comes unglued. They start spinning 360s. They're all over the place. Mickey, Minnie, dancing, music, everything except my son. My son is sitting there digging into his waffle and bacon and eggs and sausage. He's killing it. He's about six at the time. And he's sitting there eating, all the other kids running around like crazy, parents trying to keep up with them. Mickey and Minnie taking pictures. Everybody's loving it. Jay's sitting there, he's eating. Mickey Mouse comes up and taps him on the shoulder. Jay's eating, first thing he does is look up like. <laughs> like, what are you doing distracting me from the very reason that I came here? I'll see you in the park later today. <laughs> so then he gets back to his eating and Donald comes up and taps him on the shoulder and this time he looks up again with even more ferocity like, what are you doing, Donald? And I love it, we even have a picture, it's too blurry to show, but we have this picture of him. When Goofy came up and tapped him on the shoulder and wanted to talk to Jay, Jay grabbed his napkin, turned around, and swatted it at Goofy or Pluto, I can't remember. See, my son, he had the option, he had the opportunity to, throughout that, that mission he had, to finish his plate just like his daddy taught him to do. He had a mission. And he had opportunities to compromise that mission, but he didn't, he stayed focused. And God, in his loving self, gives us examples and asks us to be and have the, like, the faith of a child who's willing to look to him and say, you know what, I have, God has a mission for me and I'm willing to stay focused on it despite all the distractions and all the compromises that the enemy's gonna throw my way.
See, Moses had a mission. It was to, it was to get the kids, the children of Israel, outside of Egypt, outside of this place of bondage. But Pharaoh had a mission as well. And that mission was to keep them in Egypt, to keep them in bondage, to keep depressing, oppressing, and pressing them down with his tyrannical thumb. And we see, again, if you just think back to Exodus chapter eight, verse 25, he said, you know what, go, you can go, you can go, Moses. You can go go worship your God, but you've got to stay right here in Egypt. Did you hear the, 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 the change that Pharaoh did? They wanna go out, three day journey, worship their God, everybody, we're all going. Pharaoh's like, no, 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 you can worship your God, just do it right here in Egypt. See, first compromise we can see the enemy will often throw at us is one that he gave to the Israelites. You can worship your God, but stay in Egypt. Basically, he was saying, you know what? Your spirit can be saved, but I want the rest of you enslaved. I want your mind enslaved. I want your heart in bondage. I want your relationships distracted on what is most important. I want you, I want you not focused, but compromising every part of this journey with Jesus. Okay, you're saved, I can't do anything with the blood of Jesus, the enemy says, but I can entrap and snare and keep you captive the rest of your person. And that's what he wants to do. That's his, that's his goal and his plan. But again, we saw Moses, Moses was like, uh-uh, Pharaoh, ain't gonna work. We want total freedom. We wanna go all the way out. We wanna worship God way out three days, take everybody with us. That's, that's the goal, that's the plan, that's what we're doing. Well, Pharaoh comes back again. And he says, all right, all right, I'll cut you a deal here. In, in verse 28, he says, okay, you can leave Egypt, but just don't, just don't go out very far. So this is the second compromise we have is you can leave Egypt, but don't go very far. Oh, you can be saved, and it's okay if you find freedom in, in a little area of your life, but just don't get too serious about this Jesus thing. Just don't get too serious about this relationship with God. You know, that's a little crazy, don't you think? It's a little crazy to say, God, I give you everything and all of who I am. That's God first life stuff. Are you kidding me? I mean, say, let's have kind of a, a God very important life. God's right up there with the rest of it life. But it's God first life and The enemy constantly comes and asks us to compromise that. See, if Pharaoh could keep them close to Egypt, close to bondage, he knew it would be easy to get them right back in. When God sets us free from things, he intends for us to run from it, get away from it, get out of Egypt, get out of town. So we know there's more plagues and stuff happens and they continue the conversation. Moses says, no way, we're gone, we're going, we're going far, we're going three days out into the wilderness, into the desert. And so Pharaoh comes back to him again and says, okay, 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 you can go. You can go the full three-day journey. Just, Just the men, though, just the men. See, the compromise in that was, you see, the third compromise is you can go further but just leave your women and children. What he was saying was, Pharaoh was saying, what the enemy tries to do to all of us, the very, one of the very missions of Celebration Church, leave the women and children behind. If you leave the women and children behind, that's a representation of not saying yes to empowering the now generation, 
not raising up the next generation. See, to leave the women and children behind takes away my ability to be able to reproduce myself. And if I'm not be able, to, able to reproduce myself, then celebration isn't gonna last very long. The kingdom of God is gonna end or, or wither away pretty quickly. But God says, you know what, I have a plan. It is for you to leave a legacy. It is for the riot of Celebration Church to rise up because there's a group of adults who wanna empower them and raise up the next generation. Pharaoh wants us to compromise, the enemy wants us to compromise, but we will not leave our youth, our family, our children behind because God has called us in Genesis chapter one to go into the world to be fruitful and multiply, so that's what we're gonna do, Pharaoh. You can't stop us, we're gonna go. And God's gonna have to keep throwing these plagues on you if you don't stop. I'm gonna have to dig my face down in here, Mickey and Donald, if you don't get out of my breakfast. <laughs> Moses was saying, you know what, we've got a plan, God's given it to us, and that's what we're gonna do. It takes that relentless faith. It takes that relentlessness to say, no matter what the enemy comes and puts at me, it may be better than yesterday, but better is not the plan, total freedom is the plan. <laughs> to know God and to know freedom. So then we have the last compromise that's thrown at Moses and the kids of Israel. The last compromise simply is, you can go worship your God. You can go three days out into the wilderness, into the, into the desert. You can give him that offering you wanna give him. Okay, okay, okay. You can even take your women and children. You can, you can raise up the next generation. You can do all those things, but just leave behind your your flocks and your herds. See that fourth compromise that Pharaoh was throwing at these kids of Israel, the fourth compromise was you can all go, but leave your finances and your possessions in Egypt. Basically what was going on here was it all, it, it all came down to this. This was Pharaoh's ace up his sleeve. Well, they're saved. They're walking in a little freedom. Okay, they're walking in a lot of freedom. They're raising up the next generation. He said, but I can still hold them in bondage. I can still keep them captive if I can keep their finances in Egypt. See, what Pharaoh realized and what the enemy realizes for us today is if our treasure is in Egypt, our heart will also be in Egypt. In Matthew chapter six, verse 21, Jesus himself says, for where your treasure is, where your flocks and your herds are, where your finances and your possessions are, there your heart will be also. See, this was Pharaoh's plan. This was his ace up, up his sleeve. He said, you know what, they, they may take a lot from me, they get, may gain a lot of ground, but I can always keep their heart if I can keep their money. See, so don't be surprised, celebration. Don't be surprised if the moment you declare, I'm going to live a God first life. Don't be surprised when you say, I'm gonna put God first, <clears throat> even in my finances. Don't be surprised if the enemy comes after you. They don't want that, see, he wants He's trying to keep your money because he realizes it's not just about money for him, it's about your heart. And he realizes if he has your heart in Egypt or your finances, he has 
your heart. But also, see, we, we can't be fooled by this. It's a compromise, and the enemy wants us to do that very thing. When we think we're walking in all this freedom, we think we're walking in all this fullness. And you know what? We may even be tipping God when we come into the house. We may be even tithing to God when we come into the house. But you know, for some of us, that's extremely easy. That's extremely easy. I was telling my kids, we were talking about stuff. My parents taught me, I, I've, been, I've been living a lifestyle of giving since I was eight, eight years old. And so for me, God has to challenge me to say, Jason, what's next for you? It's not about you doing what I told you to do when you were eight. It's about you showing me that you're, I have your heart today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. See, it's not just about numbers. It's not just about percentages. God doesn't want your percentage. God doesn't want your, 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 your paper check. God wants your heart. But see, he realizes if he has those things, he has your heart. And he can lead you into total, total freedom. So why were the Hebrews wanting to go worship God out there in the desert anyway? See, remember where we started this whole story? This long story that we condensed. See, they wanted to get to the wilderness, out in the desert, so they could give God an offering. Where in the world did that come from? Well, if we take a look at their great, 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 great grandfather, Abraham. Remember, God started this covenant of blessing with him. That's their dad. That's where it all goes back to. And see, the great thing about it is Abraham predated the Mosaic Law. He predated the Ten Commandments. He predated all the legal obligations that the children of Israel had, the Jews had. And so if we look at Abraham, we're not looking at law. We're not looking at contract. We're not looking at religion. No, we're looking at the love he had for his God and the love his God had for him. We're not looking at contract, we're looking at covenant, covenant that was formed and established and God never went back on it. Relationship, not religion, but relationship. One-on-one, -on -one. it's you and me, Abraham, God said. It's you and me, we're gonna do this thing and I'm gonna do it through you. So let's look at what it said. Well, let's, let's look at this little encounter he had with this guy named Melchizedek, okay? Genesis chapter 14, check it out on the screen. It's maybe write it in your notes, but check it out so we can read it quick. Genesis 14, 18. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. Okay, then Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness, okay? So it says, then the king of righteousness, the king of Salem, now, Salem comes from the Hebrew word shalom, meaning peace. So it says, then the king of righteousness and the king of peace brought out to Abraham bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. Does this sound like anything to you? Does this sound like Jesus, the king of righteousness, the prince of peace, the king of peace? who offered his bread and wine, his body and his blood 
to, so that we could have relationship with the Father, so he served, served in that role, so that we could, so that we didn't, that was our, our offer of, of blood and body through, through the priest, so we can go straight to the Father, he was our priest. Can you see that, that Abraham was meeting with Jesus? Now some people believe he was literally meeting with the physical Jesus, who came back and showed up, or came showed up years before he was gonna be a man and live on the earth for 33 years. But whether you believe he was physically there or whether it was just a representation of Jesus, nonetheless, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, had communion with Abraham and said, you know what? I wanna serve in the place of priest for you so that you can have a relationship with the Father. And here's what he said too. He, he, had, he had more blessing for him. Verse 19 says, and he blessed Abram. Let's just go ahead and say it for what it is. Jesus blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. See, he's pronouncing more blessing, two chapters later, more blessing on Abraham. Abraham, Yes, I, have a, I wanna have a relationship with you. I form covenant with you. I will continue to bless you. Abraham, I know you just finished a battle just verses prior. I know you just overcame, and I know that your, your future is uncertain, and I know you don't know what's about to happen to your family and all your stuff that you've put into my hands. I know it, but I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna take care of you. And then in verse 20, the end of it, it says, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Why would he do this? Why would Abraham, the father of all these Hebrew kids who were led by Moses, who had that conversation with Pharaoh and they wanted to go give an offering out in the desert, first step out of bondage. Why would their father, their great, 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 great grandfather, why would he give to God? Why would he give him an offering, a tithe specifically, before he'd ever been asked to? See, there was just something inside him that said, you know what? This is what, we're, this is what, this is what I wanna do. I wanna do it because I trust, because God has my heart, and because this is my way to worship him and thank him for all he's done for me. Yeah, go ahead and put your hands together. So what I wanna do is, as we close, band can come on out. I wanna give you three ways to know. Just write these down. I'm, not, not much in between. And so you write these things down. Three ways to know God has my heart. Not Egypt. Egypt don't have my heart, but God has my heart. Three ways to know. Number one, I view giving to God as an act of worship. If I know that my heart is no longer in Egypt, but God has my heart. Money don't have me, I have my money, and, I, and, and, and God has me. How do I know that? I view giving. Giving my time, serving, Serve day this summer, lifting my hands and clapping and praise and worship, giving my, my offering and my tithe. I view giving to God as an act of worship, not as obligation. See, Abraham gave, no one asked him to give that tithe. There was no law, there was no request, there was no obligation, there was no contract. It's because he wanted to worship God. Second thing, look at this. Second thing, three ways to know God has my heart. Number two is I view tithing, tithing 
just like Abraham did. I view giving my first 10% to God as an outflow from relationship, not religion, covenant, not contract, out of love, not legality, an outflow from relationship. Tithing, giving God my first 10%, offering Him, him worship through my giving, that is an outflow of the relationship I have with Him. See, for some of us, it's like pulling teeth to, give, to get us to give to God. You know what, we, we've all been in Egypt. We've all had those places that are difficult. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's hard. It's difficult. How many times have you tried to fast? And of all things that look good while you're fasting, those stinking Hardee's hamburgers, you know, those big fat ones with all the juicy stuff coming out of it, that's what looks good. You know what, when we're trying to put God first in our giving, we want to do everything. We wanna start traveling to Europe. We're gonna have a second home. We're gonna buy our fifth car. I want to prepare for my kids' kids' college. We have all these ideas, everything, all this weight begins to come on us and we have all this, and it's like, you know what God's saying, you know what, take it one day at a time. Let it be an outflow of a relationship and I'll show you what I did for Abraham and what I did for the children of Israel, I can do for you. See, God wants our heart. And for him to have our heart, he's gotta have our possessions. So I, I view giving as an act of worship. I view tithing to God as an outflow from relationship. And the third thing that I, third thing that I can see as a way to know that God has my heart and Egypt doesn't have my heart is I view giving to God as a demonstration of my trust. I view giving to God as a demonstration that I trust him. See, Abraham gave to this Jesus or representation of Jesus. He had just gotten out of battle. He didn't know what was gonna be asked of him tomorrow. He didn't know what was gonna be taken from him tomorrow. He didn't know, but he says, you know what, God, you've been good to me in the past. You're being good to me now, and I know you're gonna be good to me tomorrow. So I view giving to God is a demonstration of my trust. I don't have to know what tomorrow holds to relinquish control of what I have control of right now. If God wants my money, my finances, my possessions, so he can have my heart, I want him to have my heart. Because if he has my heart, if he has all of me, if I'm putting him first, then God looks to us as he did to Abraham and says, you know what, I will bless you. I will make your family great. I will do great things through you. You may have to make difficult decisions, but I will prove faithful to you through all of it. I will do what I've said I will do because we have a covenant, not a contract. I will do what, we, what I said we would do because we have relationship. It's not about religion. I will do what I said I will do to you, Celebration Church, because I love you. It's not about legal obligations. It's not about all this stuff. Why don't you stand up on your feet today and why don't you give God your best praise and why don't you let him know that he's first in your life and today he's got your heart. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.